I'm David Glenn Taylor, and this is the Voyagers Podcast. I'm excited about this episode, and a little scared, because we're talking about dancing today. Little secret about me, I've had this chronic fear of the dance floor, of putting myself out there just letting go and, you know, moving your body to the music, not caring about how awkward I might look, a midlife ball guy flailing his arms around. Anytime I dance in the kitchen, my kids, <laughs> they beg me to stop. But I am convinced that I can overcome this. I've had little breakthroughs the last few years, and that's why I'm so excited about our guest this week. Jasmine Raphael is a hip-hop dancer. She's a choreographer and a dance educator in Los Angeles. She's been on stage with some of the biggest stars out there, Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, and she has a deep philosophy on what dance is, what it can be, and why we can all benefit from learning to move our bodies without abandon. This interview was almost like therapy for me, a master lesson in how not to care what other people think and how to connect with other people in a way that, frankly, I never realized you could. Here's the deal. See, in our family, uh, my brother was the dancer, and he kind of figured that out. I don't know some part of him. He's like, he, he know, he like his kid. They do like hip hop dance classes and stuff like that. He lo- and he loves that. I was always the more shy of the two of us, kind of terrified of that. And oh my god! Never danced. Oh man, I would love to ask you about inhibitions and stuff like that during this interview. So, but I, what I want to do is, totally. I, I, yeah, in terms of like your take oh, on awesome. w- on what that is and where, because I maybe somewhat naively assume that you were born a dancer, right? And I was gonna just you know respond to you that I'm sure that you can dance and I, I'm because everyone can dance you know I've been an educator too for 15 years as well so that's the th- first thing that I tell people often us dancers professional dancers or even uh, dan- my dancers in conservatory I'm just getting them back to this how they feel when they listen to music because that's your dance everyone has a dance I almost think about it as you have a, a relationship with this entity called dance and I think everyone has it. it's just your natural reaction to music that you like I think, you know, so you can dance. But I recognize, I was, I'll just yeah. tell you a really quick story. A couple of years ago, uh, I went to a, a, I went to a wedding in St. Louis of a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine. And, and after the wedding ceremony, they had a, the after party or whatever you want to call it. It was on this rooftop in this really old part of St. Louis and it was killer. And, my, and a friend of mine was a DJ. And in fact, he's going to be on the podcast too. He's a, and my wife and I were there. I didn't know a lot of people there. And my wife for years has been trying to call me out of this fear that I have of, of, being up in front of people and moving my body and you know so I finally did and I had a blast but the whole time I was still very aware that I I, I look like a goofball you know when I'm up there so you've probably had to make quite a study out of people who are dancing mm. and fears what are some of the things that you see how do you get people like in your experience how do you get people to move out of that space and into this space where they feel free and they genuinely feel it you know not like, not like me on the dance floor having fun but also still kind of scared oh my gosh what i love that question too because it's something every day we're I'm, we're trying to work on for me it's really helpful to connect the dancer to something outside of themselves 
it depends also on the kind of student that I observe them to be. If they're kind of someone that just wants to figure something out, then I'll tell them, hey, like, you know how when you pull this, it's kind of like feels like taffy as opposed to just going like a cash register, like ching, because <laughs> then they're, they're focused on something outside of themselves. I think right. that's the trick. Right. But, you know, more advanced dancers or even not an advanced dancer, someone that you can tell just feels dance emotionally, right. it's helpful for me to paint analogies that are like, man, like, what would you say is just like the vibe of this song? They'd be like, happy. And then it's like, oh, cool. Like, then it's just happiness and sort of like, you know, when you're like, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? You know, it, it's, <laughs> I think just the core, to the core of your question, it's it's focusing someone on something outside of themselves so that that yeah. self-consciousness doesn't engage. Right. The first episode of the Voyagers was with a guy who makes wine. He's a winemaker for Behringer out in Napa, California, you know, and. Oh, and, cool. And, yeah. That's and he talked about describing wine similar to how you're describing that, you know, like he, he talked about how he would use music analogies and, and then slowly kind of expand his vocabulary. You're talking about cash registers and taffy. And as soon as you said that, I went, right. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that would be hey. so helpful to have those visuals and be like, yeah. yeah. Were you a dancer? Were you born a dancer? Was I born a dancer? I don't know if I was born a dancer, but I did love moving my body since I was right. really little. But I didn't start actually training in dance till maybe 16. I did take a few years when I was younger, but I told my mom, like, I don't want to, right, <laughs> you know? Right. And yeah. um, so when I was 16, I got back into the studio. But prior to then, I was doing more just like crew stuff or, you know, doing things for church, like little shows or copying music videos with my friends. Right. And I found like it was just a fun thing. I'm such a ham, honestly. Right. I can't get away from it. <laughs> I've, As an adult, I have to just accept it too. Right. Like, I do like to perform in front of people. I like seeing the reaction of people being lit up. Right. So that was always a thing. But dance was, I don't know, dances seemed so achievable and I just had a lot of energy in my body. Yeah. 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 So your parents, but your parents didn't like, they didn't knock you for it. I grew up in church too. And, and in, but in our church and in my school I went to in high school and stuff like that, dancing was just this, it was considered kind of, unless you were dancing before the Lord, right? <laughs> that was the term that was used in our, in our home. Um, then dancing was just not a thing you did. It was kind of, you know, that old saying of, a horizontal expression of, or no, was it? a vertical expression of horizontal desires is what it was always. Oh. Know, that sounds crazy, right? I know to your no, ears, no, that's got to sound so no, crazy. No, it doesn't. No, I have a lot of experience with church. So yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't, but your mm -hmm. parents weren't like that. They, that's not how you grew up understanding it. No, no, not really. My, I mean, because my family is also a family of performers. My father right. was a pianist. I started dancing after he passed away. Oh, okay. But my mom was more so like, my mom's kind of like that too. She's kind of a dancer yeah. and she's like the choir director and just, yeah, we're, we're all performers. So they never were, weren't like that. And you grew up in a Filipino home? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Both mom and dad are Filipino? Yes. Now, did they come from the Philippines or did, did you, do you still have a good family roots and stuff in the Philippines? We have a lot of family roots in the Philippines, just right. pretty much so many people still right. there, but, right. but mostly uh, my mom and dad, yeah, they came from the Philippines. Sure. So from Tagalog? A little bit. Yeah. I would say I'm semi-fluent. <laughs> right. When I was in college, you know, my wife and I were married and we had a kid. We were in college together. I worked in a dietary department in a hospital and it was 27 Filipinos and me. So many. And so they're all related. And, <laughs> and they were all ah. the same. 
all from the same church. And we were like, feeding. really? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. actually it was not like, that it, typical. Okay. It was in Anchorage, Alaska. It's a super tight knit Filipino community. And so that I worked with them for three years and I was the only, you know, white guy and I was a foot taller than everybody. And man, oh they just, and they put me through the ringer. They tried to teach me some Tagalog, but they also tried to make me, they kind of made me eat balut and, and some of these other foods that I was like, uh, I, <laughs> balut was really hard. <laughs> Am I saying? Yeah. Balut. Balut. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Balut. Well, almost like a uh, sound balut. Do you like it? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't enjoy like the idea of it or like the <laughs> texture of it. Not that I'm right. like vegan or anything like right. that, but it's, jarring to eat yes uh, you know a, a duck fetus so it's not it's not my it's not my favorite thing i was hoping to do, you'd say but, that yeah but the soup you know is good i mean yeah. which is if you think about it it's embryonic fluid so I you can't know. really call it like soup I know. but was, i'll never yeah. forget it wow so, you're so brave i was in one of the little coffee shops. well there's this one one i can't even remember her name but she's one of she was she was old she was like almost 70 years old she was working there and i don't know she had she spoke with such authority whenever she talked wow. to me and i just kind of did whatever she told me to do and one day i went into the coffee shop and in the bottom of the fridge there was this thing of eggs in this and i and i would or this kind of container and I said what is that and she says and she goes you're going to eat it and I was like oh 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 I know I've heard of this one I like you know I was like, Jason told me about she it she told like, you yeah and she's like no no you're going to eat it. and she and I was like okay and I said it and there was like six Filipino women just watching me you know just like, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to do that. that's like, oh. amazing oh my gosh it's like the best thing I've ever heard yeah they, they use it on like fear factor and stuff like that. yeah so. spent some time on your YouTube and on Instagram mm. and kind of reading about more about your life and, and you're a queer person of faith and on your YouTube channel especially that there's a real big expression of that part of it can you tell us a little bit about when that part of yourself was began to be accepted and when you started putting that into your art yeah um gosh I don't know when I was consciously putting it into my art what happened was I was 23 and I fell in love with my best friend so I didn't know I didn't grow up thinking that I was queer or anything like that. I mean, of course, looking back, you're like, that makes sense. I had a lot of female best friends that I felt really close to, you know, but I didn't think that necessarily that I was queer. And so when I fell in love with my best friend, that was a whole thing. And, and ever since I've only dated women, but to express it in my art, it just felt like that was what was true. Cause I love love stories. That's my favorite story to tell. And so I was just like, oh, well, I'll just do this with a woman because I, that's not my story. I've never been in love with a man. So I actually can't even <laughs> draw upon that experience. When it started to be more deliberate in terms of me expressing that I was a queer person of faith was when I, I say enter the church uh, a year after my breakup, just because I grew up Catholic with a relationship to God. Mm -hmm. But when I left to, to move to LA on my own, you know, I had to discover my own faith. And when I broke up with my girlfriend, I felt really like I needed something. What I didn't know at that time was the evangelical space. I it was, you know, presented more as like non-denominational in right. this LA community. And so of course, not of course, maybe for some people it's not of course, but I suspect for many, you know, I realized pretty quickly that like the queer piece wasn't as integrated as I thought or hoped right. it would be. Yeah. And that didn't trigger me personally. It more triggered me looking around me and seeing the queer community in faith spaces who were met with resistance, but even worse, almost like this understated 
yeah. resistance that was not said out loud. So it was more internal that they felt like this struggle. And that's when I started being like, I'm a queer person of faith. I'm a queer person of faith. Like I, right, for so. me, there was no time, but to just jump into it and see like, what is this battle? I'm a part of it. Sure. And like, I want to see what's going on. And it was all I could express through my art for a really long time. Cause I just felt so passionate about what was happening. I think. Yeah. And so, and how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? 30. 30. So like, oh, wow, you're heading into your 30s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I just hit my 30. Yeah. Okay, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you. 30 is such a, I am a, I remember, I, you know, 30 was so young now that I'm, I'm 44. This is another thing I was observing on your YouTube channel is just seeing how live and how just fluid all the movements mm. were, even, even when you're getting into cash register stuff. Um, um, it kind of quickly moves back into the taffy movement and i was thinking man that would hurt (laughs) like like from a physical fitness standpoint you have to stay in pretty good shape to do what you do right Mm -hmm. yeah you have a a workout like you have like a a specific workout routine or or practice that kind of keeps you in that space besides just dancing to keep my sort of flexibility and agility in in check it is dancing for me but i always cross train with something I hike every morning. Um, in LA? Not a strength. In, I'm in Riverside right now, so I'm okay. like an hour and a half away. But even in LA, yeah, it's... You can hike in it. I didn't even know this. <laughs> I, well, I'm a, look, I'm from Alaska and Hawaii. I, I picture... I, and every time I go to LA, it's the airport, you know, or it's Disneyland or something like that. Right, so I don't, right, I don't, right. I don't picture there like being any kind of wilderness or anything in LA. Yeah, we have pockets. <laughs> they're more like, they're more um, in the mountain, you okay. know, they're just, yeah, they're more, it's, it's like not so far. It's just like a little mountain top and it's not that much green, but it's, right. we, we get pretty lucky with the spots that we have. So, you know, I hike and when I was performing all the time, I just started doing my first dance job in quarantine again. So I really feel motivated to right. cross train again, but, but I would always pick up like another discipline you know right now it's just running and walking and and then lifting i lift a lot of weights but before it would be like i would pick up boxing entirely i would pick up pilates entirely or yoga entirely and these different disciplines of movement are just super helpful but i i always have to have something in tandem with dance yeah speaking of quarantine COVID is such a unique thing because this has been such an anti-touch time and I was right. curious about how it, when, when it when it dropped in March, when the quarantine hit in March and everybody kind of shut down, we all went through kind of different levels of, I guess you could say trauma kind of transition. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we own a, a boat company, a tour company. We take people snorkeling and sailing and stuff in uh-huh. Hawaii, right? In Maui. So for us, it was total business shutdown, right? But we're also like, we're pretty good at home, being homebodies, that kind of thing. I was curious about what it would be like for a person whose whole life and career is based on this on touch and movement and and work and in choreography, working with others in that, in that very close and very intimate space. What was your experience of that kind of transition? Honestly, I got busy really quickly. That's kind of how my mind works. I just started teaching dance classes online. I think when I started feeling maybe the absence of touch was when I start to freestyle. I freestyle really often, almost every day. But a lot of my favorite freestyling is contact improv with people. And for me, gosh, it's a download of that person's 
spirit almost. And it's something that you give in a give and take. It is something I deeply miss. You know, I don't think about it so, so consciously. I also act. So all of my acting classes have been over Zoom. So I actually have had to create a lot of imagination muscle. So Mm. it's been helpful in that way. Like I still feel accompanied by sort of my mind and experiencing people like how you and I are talking right now. But Yeah, the physical touch aspect, I think, is really important to talk about, especially with yeah. my my dancers and my dance students who have been battling, you know, with their mental health. Like, yeah. gosh, thank God I'm at, I'm at this age. And even at this age, it's really hard. Right. But when I was younger, yeah, the, a lot of, like, dance is a highly sensual, you know, right. movement. Right. Yeah. No, I was totally, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that because I, when I was watching YouTube, because I was, I was thinking, there's probably a lot of people in your classes that a big part of their reason, whether consciously or unconsciously, they come to those classes is for touch and is for that kind of, that relationship of intimacy that not necessarily a sexual relationship, being a guy who's been terrified of dancing, I noticed even when I was just dancing with my wife, you know what I mean? How, how mm-hmm. just beautiful and intimate it is. And of course we're in love with each other, yes. but I don't know. I'm, I'm a guy, I can watch movies and see, you know, Hey man, I have this dancing going, wow, that's just great. You know? And yeah, yeah and people can't do that right now. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, that, that is a really great point to bring up is the element of, of t- I actually did go to a freestyle session recently Oh, you did, and it was, yeah. And it was distance and it was my turn to go when we were all doing, you know, solos. And I looked at the, uh, my friend next to me and I was like, I wish you could oh, go out yeah. with me. I wish we could just, yeah. I mean, that's really my love language is right. being able to dance. Yeah. Is being able to dance with yeah. people. So it's, it's highly missed. Yeah. And we have to get that back. Got to get that back. I know. I know. The dance community is really, gosh, we, we've been hit yeah. pretty hard, but, but they're really resilient and, yeah. you know, and dancers make a way. So is that a thing? Yeah. Is that a thing for you guys? Like you, you're, you're talking about that right now, kind of you helping each other oh, through yeah. that, you know, and you know, we'll yeah. be together again kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I don't know even if it's necessarily we'll be together again. I mean, of course we like hope and feel that a lot of the people my age are talking about, it's kind of sad, but dance is always going to be a part of our lives. But a lot of us have, were already transitioning out anyway, in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, either just teaching more, choreographing more, just doing specific jobs, not like hustling as much like acting and, sure. and things like that. So we talk about how, Hey, remember and when we moved out when we were 19 and we were in LA and we had no idea what was going on and we became professionals. Like we're kind of like egging each other on that way. Like whatever you want to do next, whatever endeavor you have next, you have the wherewithal because we did it before. You know, dancers really can work from the ground up. They find resources, they find a way, you know? And so it's, it, yeah, we do, we do support each other right now. We are like a family. We always will be. We all grew up together in LA. Like brothers and sisters. And we had to watch sort of like three or four of our homes get closed down in the, in the quarantine, big successful, you know, studios that we really grew up in. We grew up there together, touching, touching and crying. And, you know, dance is so spiritual to having our life moments talking about, are you going to move back home, you know, in these spaces and yeah, just close down one right after another and another. So from that perspective, what, what gives you hope? What is the thing that you kind of latch on to that, that gives you kind of, kind of pulls you forward, gets you out of bed every day? Yeah, I just believe so much in that there's no shortage of clarity or joy. 
-hmm. you know? And I just believe that there is no shortage. I've never looked back and been like, oh, there was no more ahead. You know? <laughs> like, right, there yeah. was always more, always, yeah. always more. It's, it's almost unrelenting, you know? And I, I just care so much about how I feel now because it's, for me, I found it's the only compass, you know, to really check in and say, where do I feel right now? And, and is there capacity to feel joy within this moment? And I think quarantine has really concentrated that muscle. And I think where human beings are naturally supposed to sit is to be conscious and aware of where the joy is in the moment. I think that that's actually natural. I think we've, you know, grown away from that. So just time and time again, I find it, you know, I find it through different spaces. Uh, the, the, there's no little thing. And that just pulls me forward because I think I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to miss out on, on, on that. Right. I think it's just so, so great. Yeah. Right. Hey, can we talk about bliss for a minute? Yeah. Um, in the podcast, but also in my just in my normal life, I get to meet a lot of really interesting people. And my job being, you know, that we have a catamaran out in, in Maui, you know, we, we take a lot of famous people or, you know, that kind of thing out on the boat. And I get to hang out with them and just chat with them about their stories. Even just talking with your everyday normal guy like myself, we have these stories that we experience bliss. You know, you're out hiking and you have this moment of just, you know, the other day I was back at this waterfall and I witnessed an Iranian man playing, it's called like a, I can't remember the name of the instrument. It's an Iranian instrument. It's a sutra. It was like the precursor to the piano. And you play with these little hammer tongs on your fingers. And you oh, play. like a sit. Oh, no, I don't know. What it's it, it, it was, it was, it was absolutely. And I just sat and watched by this waterfall and watched him play this. And it was absolutely jaw dropping. It was one of the most moments of just where time just kind of stops, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, other times in my life, like when I saw you two in concert and the edge was like standing like five feet in front of me jamming on his guitar. And I'm just, but for you, like you've performed on stage with like Nicki Minaj and Ariana Grande and all these, you've been on mm -hmm. into these settings. Can you tell us the story of one of these moments? I don't know. And it can, doesn't have to be when you're on stage, any moment where you were like, mm -hmm. that was bliss. I have many. Do you prefer like dancing or not dancing? Whatever comes to mind. Our second episode, we had a chef who was like cook for the president and cook for all yeah. these, these really amazing chef and stuff. And I yeah. asked him, I asked him a question about you know favorite meal. Like like if you got your last meal, what would you have? Who would cook it for you? Kind of thing. And I was expecting this. You know, I'd have this famous chef cook me this amazing thing. Instead, he was yeah. like Thanksgiving meal. I want my kid to cook it for me. And I was yeah. Like, oh. And he, the way he described it, I was like, oh my gosh, like you know. So I'm yeah. always surprised by how people, what they consider to be bliss, you know? Gosh, so many moments. Right. Maybe every man got it. And you're only 30 years old. I'm like, oh, you're like. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, just, I was like, do you want me to tell you today's, you know? But, you know, but yeah. in, in terms of. In terms <laughs> I of, do want to hear today's though, by the way, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of movement, I'm also a teacher and an educator. And it's my favorite thing when, I mean, when I'm really in the space where I can touch the student and we sort of I do this thing where I can observe them I, I just see where they're at if they're going across the floor which means they're just dancing across the floor in a sort of freestyle space to maybe a like melodic song and I just want to see like what they do going across and then I give them a task whatever it is and it's my favorite thing to observe where they're at and then kind of download and be a vessel to whatever like the universe or whatever you want to call it and I approach them and then when we touch we we are completely in sync and I've never danced with them in my life. And I, I intuitively know what it's like to help them along and to connect with them deeply and to deeply see them. And I feel also completely seen by them. And those moments to me are just nothing short of magical because I've never met them before. You know, we don't really record in that space or film in that space, but a lot of maybe the videos that you've seen 
when I'm dancing with someone else and it seems like it's choreographed, like those yeah. are not choreographed. Those are not no choreographed. Kidding. Yeah, a lot of them, like the majority of my favorite moments, they look completely choreographed with these people that I only danced with like once before. And to me, that's just complete joy and bliss to just have something outside of yourself that you're completely present with. It's almost like, um, you know, when you're in relationship with someone, it is the two of you, but it's, you're almost creating a third, which is the union of, of the both of you, right? It's right. almost like this result of you two and then maybe God. And so you, there's a product and that's what I love creating in dance, you know, and you do that all the time in dance. For me, I teach my students and it's something that I've been taught by many you always have a partner, you know, because if the audience is your partner, you must be present with the audience. The music is your partner. The ground is your partner. Your skin is your partner so that you understand that you always need to have a generous energy because if not, you're thinking about what do I need to do? You're just not there. You're just not in that space. You're almost in like a first circle, like back energy sort of thing instead of being in this uh, yeah. union. Yeah, in this connection. Wow. Well, when a student comes in and they start dancing and you get that sense that they are, they are not in that, that they are, their energy mm. is not being, it's not generous. What, what do you do to help them? Yeah, I don't approach it really head on, you know, at first, but I am always like conscious of that, of that right. person. And I think, you know, I never push, I never allow, I, I kind of speak from the place of making the, this space feel very safe mm -hmm. and saying like, you know, you don't have to even just, I'll, I'll demonstrate the simplest movements. Sometimes you can feel the energy sucked out of the room. If you're like, okay, watch me and this person. And that person ha happens to be advanced and you got y'all both go into this elaborate thing. And then you feel sometimes that there are certain people that are like, Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And they, and they go inward and then I always have to bring it back to, but the point is, and then I'll bring out, you know, someone or that same person and we'll just have our hands touching and just walk. And I'll be like, this oh, is the wow. point though. You know what I mean? This is, wow. that's actually the point is the eye contact is the union. Nothing I do. You cannot dance 20 years of experience at a skilled level to gain connection. That's just not it, like to equal one moment of presence it's yeah. not it's like dirt compared to gold like it's gold to just be present with someone that's the point i think of art but it's definitely the point of dance you know dance is a communication so i try so, to just talk about the essence of it for some reason when i when i hear you say that, that as a tool when you have their hands together and you're walking them across the floor that for some people that would be that would be hard for me you know i can do that with my wife right but like for me, if you put that, if you put me with anybody else, you know what I mean? I would, to, that idea of connecting um, would just scare the crap out of me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I imagine you probably see some people like that when they come into the studio and they're basically asking you to help them grow in that way. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I feel like if you were in the room with us and we were all in there and the music was going, I think that you would cross that line. I've actually never seen someone not cross that line. It's even, even just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit for some reason. I don't, I think it's the music. I don't not know what it is. Right. It's very disarming, you know? I mean, that's my first intention is creating right. just like this safe sort of space. So sure. I'm assuming you've seen some bad teachers too, right there. That are just like, I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, I've been in lots of yoga classes. Sure, sure, you know, sure. and then there's sometimes you get in that one yoga instructor and you just feel like you just like, you know, just get in that position. They're just going to ram you. <laughs> 
you into that. You know what I mean? And then you get those yeah. ones that really know, kind of do what you're talking about, it's, you know? It's true. It, I mean, that's why I started teaching. I didn't even really want to start teaching. <laughs> well, I really didn't even want to start teaching. I thought that it would take me away from my dance as a performer, but I went to a class where someone was like not present at all with the students. Yeah. And this was a phenomenal dancer. But I just felt like, oh gosh, like that's not yeah, right. right. You know, right. so I applied like at that same place (laughs) you know there will always be yeah there will always be you know i've taken from many teachers that were well-intentioned i'm sure but just yeah Yeah. not good not good because they were just not present you know yeah Yeah, exactly what's the most fun you've ever had on stage actually performing in front of people the most fun like the most fun again really hard like like but one of those i was watching uh you you were dancing behind uh Nicki minaj i was just going (laughs) oh my gosh to do that to 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 be in front of that with the music and the lights and the and the audience going nuts and the superstar dancing yeah. in front of you. and what was i mean what's what's one that stands out in your mind you're like yeah. that was just amazing honestly some of my most professional jobs they are really fun but there's quite a bit of thinking sometimes you know on stage i remember with the Nicki minaj one I, there was thinking because that was my first like award show so right. of course that was billboard right that was a billboard award that show? was the billboard awards yeah i was like thinking of hitting my marks in that um but, which right. it happened yeah one where i like let go i would say probably was more so ariana and because it wasn't as intricate I'd say and you really just knew you were a part of a moment you know we were we were with women of all generations women that we looked up to were on that job that first inspired me ever wow. like Teresa Espinosa from Janet Jackson's tour that I watched like she was dancing next to me wow. you know what I mean um, some of my best friends that I grew up with people that had taken my class you know so it was just generations of these women I say generations because I really look at us as a family I think it's a dance family and so that to me was really fun in the way that it was just so fulfilling so transcendent like you know that you it's a once in a lifetime thing okay i just have a couple more questions for you i no yeah how do you grow old gracefully as a hip-hop dancer you're going to be 40 in 10 years, you know? I am. It kind of speeds up as you go. My 40s are going a lot faster than my 30s did. And 30s went faster mm. than my wow. 20s did. And I've and and most of that is because the more, more people you have that are younger than you, showing you what you used to feel like or what your body used to be able to do and that kind of sure. stuff like that, the more you tend to go, whoa, like, wow, I can't, you know, I can't do mm-hmm. that anymore. I can't. You know yeah. what I mean? You did mention that you're doing less of that and doing more teaching and stuff now. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to be a 50 year old hip hop dancer? You know, I don't, I don't know. Is this a good I, question? Did I throw you for a loop on this one? I think that this is a good, yeah, it's a good <laughs> question. I, it, I am, you know, kind of like scouring my mind. Like, I mean, I'll always dance, I think. Mm-hmm. I know, I do know many people in their 40s that have age gracefully i don't plan on being a professional hip-hop dancer when i'm you know 50. yeah even now i actually have new goals for my fitness in terms of like what are the most agile things that i can do now that maybe are not just dance related like how can i have like the most power the most strength the most flexibility now you know especially going into acting more so and more things that 
I feel like my body has to be super fit, of course. Sure. But um, dancing is also a limited trope in terms of in terms of fitness too. I, I kind of want to be able to do a bunch of pull-ups now. You know, I, I kind of yeah. I think that I can engage into uh, different disciplines. But I don't know what it's like to be like a forty-year-old, fifty-year-old. We are so fortunate. We learned how to take care of our bodies in a yeah. way that's really meticulous. Because if you're not pretty much an athlete, you're not really gonna work. Like we, I couldn't work when I wasn't at my best physically because this is your instrument you have to stretch all the time even if you don't want to go to class but you know that you're going to class just for your body you go to class I mean the best hip-hop dancers were always trained in other styles as well or they treated their training like a physical discipline just drilling boom 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 just drilling 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 because it's physical it is an art but it is we're athletes it's a sport you know so I kind of have that knowledge so moving forward, I can't go a day without moving. It's it's not really an option for me. I plan to still be graceful, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're like I most of the Filipino to... women that I know, you're you're probably going to be fine. This they, they never they didn't really age. All the Filipino <laughs> people that I worked with, it was like, man, like you know, like white women, we get that they get old. Like you know, like yes, my my mom's family, the Scottish family, like when you you get old, you look old and you feel old, you know. But it seemed like all the Filipino yeah. women, like, like they should be like, I'm 50. I'm like, you look like you're 50. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't. Okay, you're going to want to Google this. You're going to dig this. Um, the biggest, okay, the I'll biggest, write it down. Yeah, the biggest Hawaiian hula competition is called the Merry Monarch Festival. They do that every year in, in Honolulu. It is epic. So these groups of, of hula dancers do amazing, beautiful uh, hula. The thing about hula that's interesting versus maybe hip hop, you know, dancing behind Nicki Minaj, but you'll have a 65 year old woman doing hula, the Polynesian art form of hula, it ages, yeah. you know, just to see how it's just so graceful. And then the men with all, you know, the Polynesian men with the power that they bring in, but also the beauty as well. It's just, it's, right. it's awesome. You'll dig it. You'll really dig it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Hey, see, I'm watching the dancing. I just got to pull that, you know, out of myself. I got to. No, I love that. You can't, <laughs> and you, you totally can, and you totally will. And yes, 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 yes. I can't wait. You'll have to tell me when, when you go out and you're like, all right, I got it. You know, I, I'm sure my wife will message happens. you and go, thank you. You know, thank yes, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Y'all two together. Mm-hmm, That's awesome. I can't wait. So there's one last thing I want to ask you to do for us. The end of every episode of The Voyagers, I ask the guests to give a blessing to the audience. It's just from you, from your heart, or your experience, your life, and and just something that you would leave them with as a blessing. Only you have lived your life. Only you have had this experience. And it's so important for all of us that you follow your joy and your bliss and what makes your heart sing. Don't do it for all of us. Do it for yourself because you're meant for joy. But just know that when you take those steps, whether it feels courageous in the moment or not, or just like the next logical thing to do, the most natural thing to do is to follow that instinct. Know right after that, that that's helping all of us do that as well. So any quirk, anything that you feel like makes you different, please follow it. Please, I ask of you and I thank you in advance and I thank you that you have been doing it. I bless you with today. It's just the appreciation of your individuality. Mm-hmm.
was fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you for taking the time. And um, Joan, this is awesome. This is going to be great. Yeah. Um, this is really great. Thank yeah. you so much. The Voyagers podcast is produced by Sugar Slip Productions and recorded in Kula on the island of Maui. It's hosted by me, David Glenn Taylor. A huge mahalo nui to Jasmine for giving her time and wisdom and convincing me that I can dance. Frankly, I can't wait for the next opportunity to give it a shot. Check out Jasmine's YouTube channel. Follow her on Instagram, at Jasmine J. Raphael. After this interview, I am convinced that watching one hip-hop dance video a day is good for the soul. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps me grow the audience, keep the conversation going. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor or in supporting this podcast, go to voyagerspodcast.com and click the link to become a Patreon supporter. And to become a sponsor, let's just start a conversation by email, david at voyagerspodcast.com. Next week on the penultimate episode of Season 1 of the Voyagers Podcast, we're talking to Stefan Schaefer, a talented filmmaker and a good friend here on the island. He's got a new movie. Debuted this week at the Hawaii Film Festival and is coming to a streaming soon called Aloha Surf Hotel. We talk about how to bring a script to life, why anybody would ever watch a horror movie, and what's next in his career. That's next week on the Voyagers Podcast. Mahalo for listening, friends.